0: Welcome, you lovely listeners, to the final episode in this series. Are you sad? Oh, my God.
1: Okay, play the crying music.
2: Oh, this is really funny. So we've just come on, and the kids have just realised that this is our final episode of this season. My and actually, everybody's got quite sad about that.
0: So welcome to the final episode of this series of The Good Stuff. I'm one third of your host, Hugo.
1: I'm the other third and of course your favourite Eloise. And I'm Deborah, your final
2: host and we're here to spread some cheer and lighten up Mondays to hopefully make them your favourite day of the week. How great was last week's podcast? So last week we found out that plants like to be spoken to and as a result we went off and we sung to them and Eloise did indeed start playing them and Marie.
0: Yeah it was more Eloise than me.
2: It was definitely more Eloise. Eloise
0: was up till one o'clock in the morning singing to the plants. (laughs) So for those of you who may have missed us last week, we spoke to Ellen Mary about the gardening. It was super interesting, so if you haven't already, make sure you check it out. We learned a lot from it. So guys, what's the topic of this week?
1: Our topic of this week is how can we
2: preserve the planet? Well, I know you guys are going to love this week's episode as we're going to be chatting about wildlife and conservation with a very special guest. Now, before I reveal who it is, I wanted to quiz you guys on some wildlife facts. Yet again, we are recording this podcast with a live studio audience who are our cousins. And if you listened last week, you would hear Jack and Finn. Jack and Finn, hello. 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 And they're going to join in with this quiz. Okay, we're going to have two teams. Are we ready? So, I don't know, Hugo and Jack. And, and me and Finn. And Eloise and Finn. Okay. Should we test our buzzers? We need. Beep. So Hugo's beep. beep. El- Eloise's team. Beep. There are only four questions. First question. Okay. Are we ready? Yeah. What colour are flamingos when they're born? Beep. Oh. That one,
0: that okay, Hugo's team, go. Okay, so flink Flamingos are white when they're born, and they turn pink because they eat shrimp. Okay, that's one theory, but that is
2: incorrect. That's incorrect? That is incorrect. I mean, fine, fine, but the first point, were they're
0: white when they're born.
2: They are gray when they are born. What? Yes, they develop their pink feathers from eating pigments found in the algae, which turns them from gray to pink. What? Did you know that? No. No, okay. How many months can a camel live without water?
1: Go on, Eloise.
2: Five. Two. Now, you're all wrong. The okay. answer is 10 months. <laughs> so, a camel can live for 10 months without water. Why? Where does he store the in water? His in his In his humps. That's where
1: all of his fat is stored.
2: And the water. Now, number three. What is the fastest animal in the world? <laughs> it was Hugo's team, but it was actually Jack who's part of his team. Jack.
1: Pelican falcon. Oh no. a pelican falcon. Yeah. Just
2: I think we need to go and look high. this up now.
1: When they go up really high and they go down, they go up three hundred and sixty.
0: It's three hundred and ninety kilometers an hour. <gasps> Kilometres an hour. Yeah, but yeah, but, oh, yeah, but it's still more. To the conversion yeah. rate, so, so that, that would, would be, be the
2: fastest be bird. But it's still mammal. Right is still a mammal. Well, I like the fact that we seem to have a good debate going on here, and I love the fact, how old are you, Jack?
3: Six.
2: That a six-year-old audience member of the Good Stuff podcast is basically debating the answer and probably getting it right. I think that's an amazing answer. I think we should give bonus points for this. Number four. Who is our closest relative in the animal world and i'm gonna get i'm gonna let eloise answer this and there is a specific reason eloise
1: it's an ape no um it's a chimpanzee it is a chimpanzee and eloise why did i let you answer that uh, well basically my nickname at school is a chimpanzee oh, oh
0: my <laughs> well, god Well, it's actually an ape oh my god that's even worse
1: and why is that eloise because when i finish netball and i win i celebrate like an ape and i go (laughs) absolutely 95
2: percent of our dna is shared with chimps so you are basically monkeys all of you are monkeys You're all chimpanzees.
0: So to continue on the theme of chimps, we got to speak to the world's best-known primatologist, someone who studies monkeys, Dr. Jane Goodall, and her amazing career as a conservationist, and what she has learned about the studies of chimps.
3: So
2: welcome to The Good Stuff, Dr. Jane Goodall. We're really, really excited that you are joining us. In uh, preparation for this interview, we've been watching lots of different kind of things and Eloise's favourite animal is?
1: A gorilla.
2: Well, it's actually a gorilla, which I thought was brilliant. So we just want to ask you a few questions. So how do you inspire people to take action to help conserve wild
3: habitats? Well, I think you have to, first of all, help people to understand about those wild habitats, how beautiful they are. So you can do it with photographs. You can do it with film. You can do it by talking about it. But the worst possible way is to say, you really need to do this. You owe it to the future, blah, 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 because then people don't really, you've got to make them want it inside themselves and they'll want it if they understand it better. That's the way I work anyway. So obviously you're passionate about the animals, but the habitats that they live in is key as well. Oh, well, yes. I mean, protecting forests is one of the most important things that I do and helping young people to understand the importance of the forest, the forest habitat, all the biodiversity, the different kinds of animals and plants, and the fact that these forests take CO2 from the atmosphere and they breathe out oxygen and they help to regulate the climate and, and the rainfall. So forests are really important. Planting trees now, we must do, but it's going to take them a while to get big enough to play the role that a, that a big grown-up tree can, can take. Do you feel incredibly
2: passionate that our children, our future generations, find that same love for animals or trees?
3: Yeah, well, you know about the Roots and Shoots programme. I know you do and that's involving young people in 65 countries and growing, I think it's more now, hundreds and thousands of groups and all the people who are now grown up because I began it in 91. But the, the whole message of Roots & Shoots is that every single one of us makes some difference on the planet every single day. And unless we're living in terrible poverty, which far too many people are, we have a choice as to what sort of difference we make and what we buy, and did it harm the environment, and was it cruel to animals, and things like that. But then each group of Roots & Shoots, they, they choose between them. They choose three projects, one to help people, one to help animals, one to help the environment, because it's all interrelated. And it's no good helping trying to save forests if the people living around the forest are terribly poor, and cutting down the trees in order to make some money or grow more food. So everything's interrelated and we have to work. But we can't all do it all. So because there's so many millions of children around the world, between them, they actually cope with all the different things that I care about.
1: Do you want to ask some questions, Eloise? Yeah. What are your favourite animals and what do you love about chimpanzees especially?
3: Well, you're going to think I'm going to say my favorite animal is a chimpanzee, aren't you? Well, you're wrong. And chimpanzees are so like us. I don't even think of them as animals, actually. I mean, they're beings. My favorite animal animal is a dog. I (laughs) always um, love dogs. And here, this one. This is Rusty. I grew up with him, and he's the one who taught me how amazing dogs are. Dogs do so much for us. They really are man's best friend. So, chimpanzees, I studied because I was asked to go and study them. I would have studied any animal in the wild. And they're fascinating because they have such different personalities, they're always learning new things. We just celebrated our 60th anniversary, 60 non stop years of observing the same groups of chimpanzees in Tanzania. And we're still learning new things.
2: That's amazing. What's the single best thing that you've learned from a chimpanzee that's changed the way that you thought?
3: I already arrived knowing that animals have feelings and personalities and minds. And so I was able to stand up to the professors when I finally got to Cambridge who told me I'd done everything wrong and only humans had personality, mind and emotion. I knew they were wrong. What really was the turning point in my study was seeing chimpanzee using uh, and making tools, picking grass stems, fishing for termites, and then picking a leafy twig and stripping the leaves. We now know they make different tools in different places for different purposes, and young ones learn from the parents, so they're different cultures. That's really fascinating.
0: So what's the single
3: most impactful thing that we can do to help conserve wild animals? Well, I can't just give a sweeping answer because different people can do different things. But the most important thing is to talk about them and to understand that each of these wild animals, just like your dog or your cat, they have a personality, they have emotions, they can feel happy and sad. And so many people who care about conservation think of it like an animal species, but actually, it's a whole lot of individual. Animals, And that somehow makes it different. And so once people understand what animals really are like, how amazing this animal kingdom is and that we're part of it, then what's the most important thing you can do? It depends what animal you're interested If you're interested in butterflies, you can plant butterfly-friendly flowers that they will enjoy. If it's bees... You know, you can build beehives. And if it's dogs, you can volunteer in a shelter. So it depends which animal you want to help, actually, what you can do. So on this podcast, we're a good news only podcast. What is a piece of good
2: news that you've recently come across? It doesn't have to be your personal good news, but it could be anything that you've heard from around the world
3: that might make our listeners happy. Well, I'll tell you one thing, which is not that recent, but it's very important. And that's way back in 1990. I flew over the tiny Gombe National Park. And it used to be part of a forest that went right across Africa. And by 1990, that's 20 years after I began, I looked down and it was just a little island, of forest, and all around, all the trees are being cut down. There were just bare hills. Too many people living there. The land couldn't support them. They were cutting down the trees to try and grow more food to keep themselves alive. That meant on the steep slopes, it was erosion, the streams getting blocked up. It was horrible. And that's when I realized if we don't help the people to find ways of living without destroying the environment, we can't even try to save the chimps. So we started a program, which you can look it up. It's Take Care, T-A-C-A-R-E. We call it Takari. And um, the people have now become our partners in conservation because they understand protecting the forest is not just for wildlife, but their own future because they need the forest. And so if you fly over Gombe now, you don't see bare hills anymore. Trees can come back. Nature's amazingly resilient. Animal species too. So many are close to extinction. But if a group of people get together and say no, we're not going to let this animal become extinct. Animals have been rescued literally from the brink of extinction. And I've met many of the people who've done it. I've met the animals and it's pretty amazing.
2: Yeah, it must feel amazing to know that. I think we got even excited over a hedgehog visiting the other day because obviously... That's now being put at the at risk, and I was telling the children about how many chimpanzees over the last hundred years there used to be, and how many there are now. How does that make you feel? Just knowing that at least some are saved, but yet so much more can be done to preserve them, and it's something that you guys are doing.
3: We have a great team. You know, there's 24 Jane Goodall Institutes. We have. Programs in six different African countries. We're protecting forests and chimpanzees. We're looking after orphans in two big sanctuaries in Africa. So, I'm very happy with, with what we're doing. And our Roots and Shoots program, which I hope both of you will be part of, because I would like to hear what you decide to do, and it could be fun. And you then we share what yeah. you do with everybody else. That's the and you can learn about what other people are doing. I'm going to take just a few moments to introduce you to my little animal family. And first of all, I carry ratty because it turns out that rats are <laughs> amazingly intelligent. And you can look up Google five smart rats. They all have names and they've been taught to do things you wouldn't believe, you would not believe. There's also rats giant forest rats in Africa have been trained to detect landmines because they can sniff them way down under the ground. And they're quite charming. They go around on little harnesses. And I've been there watched them training. They scratch when they smell that smell. And then the team can come along and defuse the landmine. And then Piglet, I take him around because he Mm -hmm. illustrates the intelligence of pigs. And now after this, you Google, not Picasso, but pig casso. You can remember that. Line. And you'll see, I think, three or four little videos line up when you Google that. Take the first one and you will love it. I promise you. Pigs are as intelligent as dogs. And then cow. I'm talking about the fact that we're eating all this meat and we've got billions and billions and billions of cows and pigs and, and chickens and turkeys in these awful factory farms, which are so cruel. And cows, they have personalities. I've met many cows. They love their babies who are snatched away from them, and it's horribly cruel. And then there's Octavia, the octopus. And (laughs) you can look up octopus and coconut shell, Google it, and that too will make you completely amazed. Octopus turn out to be amazingly intelligent because they don't have a brain like us. They just have a sort of central nervous system. And in a way they've got brains in all these little tentacles they have. So they're extraordinary. And we're still learning all these amazing new things. Then finally, you may have seen photographs of Mr. H. Have you? (laughs) Yes. Mr. H. Jr. is Mr. H. It illustrates the indomitable human spirit—the people who tackle what seems impossible and won't give up. And Mr. H was given to me by a man called Gary Horn. And uh, Gary went blind when he was 21. For some bizarre reason, he decided to become a magician. Everybody said, "But Gary, how can you do magic if you're blind?" And he said, "I can try." And he'd say, you know, something might go wrong in your life because we never know. But if it does, don't give up. There's always a way forward. And not only does he do scuba diving and skydiving, but he's taught himself to paint. And although he's never seen Mr. H, he's only felt him. He gave him to me for my birthday 28 years ago. In that book called Blind Artist, there's a portrait of Mr. H amazing he's only felt him and he's made a portrait when I'm traveling as I normally do 300 days a year but now I can't this is my family that comes with me
2: I love that that's amazing that is so (laughs) cool that's so cool isn't it that's given us so many things to go off and research and get excited over hasn't it yeah Well, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on The Good Stuff. And I have no shadow of a doubt that lots of children listening to this podcast will go and find something that they're inspired by, whether it is rats or pigs or cows or chimpanzees or trees, whatever it might be. I'm sure that is something for everyone,
3: right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Who has appeared behind you? I see another child. Oh,
2: so, this is another member of our family. This is Finn, who is Claire's son, uh, who is also. We've got the whole family here because we were very excited to be interviewing you. So, um, it was a bit of a live audience. Yes,
3: <laughs> it's a real honour to meet you. Yeah. And thank you so much for, for inspiring the next generation. Well, I hope <laughs> Finn will join Roots and Shoots as well. Oh, thank okay. you. I can give the distance greeting of the chimpanzee to end up with, which is... <laughs> that means me, Jane. It's <laughs> so cool, isn't it? Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.
1: I love that chat with Dr. Jane. She is really inspiring. Thank you so much, Jane. We love chatting with you about your remarkable career. What are your favourite animal guys?
2: obviously it's my dog like we love winston winston is our dog and we love him dearly he's a cavapoo i share a love of giraffes oh i love giraffes. yeah me and eloise love giraffes i don't even know why i think they're very elegant i just love giraffes. you love giraffes don't you what about you hugo
0: it would be um i think it would probably be a dog yeah because a dog is a man's best friend
2: but yep. that's yeah. a
0: good question what's better dogs or cats
2: Dogs. Obviously. Well, okay, I'm a dog
0: lover, but lots of people were just, just making sure make you guys are all on board.
2: How about Finn and Jack? What are your favourite We're throwing it out to the audience members here. What are your favourite
0: animals? Kangaroo. Kangaroo.
2: kangaroo, for Finn. kangaroo swordfish. Kangaroo and swordfish for Jack. Kangaroo and swordfish. We should say that our cousins are half Australian. You can see that influence in them with a the swordfish and a kangaroo. I
1: absolutely love that. Right, moving on to our weekly headline update. Cue the music.
2: The ozone layer above Antarctica has recovered so much it's actually stopped many worrying about the southern hemisphere atmosphere. The ozone layer, which makes up our atmosphere, is roughly 10 kilometres above the Earth's surface and it shields the
0: Earth from ultraviolet rays from the Sun. Next up on our headlines, Wild Bison, also commonly known as American Buffalo, are to return to the UK for the first time in 6,000 years. The spring of 2020 will release a small herd in Kent to reintroduce the endangered species. This is an important investment in the UK population of wildlife. Britain is one of the most nature-depleted countries in the world. Exciting news.
1: And finally, wheres have announced a 5.9 million project to create a national forest in order to preserve nature, improve biodiversity and absorb carbon from the atmosphere.
0: That's right. The plan involves planting trees on the 5,000 acres of land every year to help reduce carbon emissions by 80% in 2050. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Good Stuff. Please do let us know your comments in the review section below.
1: Check out this brilliant voice note. My name is Ella and I'm nine years old. My good news is that I have been planting all sorts of plants in my garden, from radishes and carrots to violas and chilli peppers. I have also been spending a lot of time in the garden playing ping pong with my brother.
0: And that's all there is left to say. Have a great day and keep note of the good stuff in your days.
3: Bye. Bye. Bye.